My guest is Daniel Ortner. He's an attorney with the Pacific Legal Foundation. Daniel, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks. All right, Daniel, you have an op-ed piece uh, in uh, the uh, San Antonio Express News. That's SA right, and Chick-fil-A shows why free speech matters. Talk a little bit about the situation uh, in your column. Sure. So San Antonio, uh, the city council recently voted to exclude Chick-fil-A from having a restaurant at the city's airport. And they did so uh, over the speech and religious beliefs and donations of the owner and, and the foundation of Chick-fil-A. The organization has given money to groups like the Salvation Army, which are you know charitable organizations that help children uh, without that don't have Christmas presents, run soup kitchens, do all kinds of charitable work. But because the groups are Christian groups and have traditional understandings of, of issues like uh, marriage as being between a man and a woman, uh, the, the the donation is enough to label Chick Fil A as, as a bigoted organization in the eyes of San Antonio and to uh, exclude them. Now, this this is a situation that's come up around the country in terms that's of right. individuals, groups who have donated to uh, causes that support traditional marriage. And uh, putting aside the free speech, the, the op opponents of that position are particularly vicious, I would argue, and, and have a very fascistic orientation in that they will gain the names of anybody who's donated to these groups, right down to if they even gave like $100 or something. Right. They then publicize those names and they put them, they, these people, be, you could become blackballed. You can lose your career, you lose your livelihood, you can lose your career, you have your, your name sullied for, for the rest of your life. I mean, they can literally destroy someone because of, of, of um, their political involvement or their position, which these people obviously don't agree with. And, uh, you know, while I suppose technically they have a right to do this, or maybe you may want to comment otherwise, mm. it's really an ugly situation when you have uh, someone engaging in that kind of opposition rather than simply saying, look, we don't agree with these people and we'll debate yeah. them, but they have a right to their opinion. Yeah, I, mean, I totally agree with you. It's really ugly and it's contrary to the foundations of free speech in this nation where there's the understanding that we can disagree very strongly with one another on very difficult issues, but we give room for people to express their viewpoint. And most importantly, we don't use the force of government to censor people. And that's what's happening here is that the city of San Antonio, a government entity, is saying, if you do not think the way we want you to think, if you do not give donations to the people we want you to give donations to, if you step out of the approved uh, perspective that we we're uh, forcing upon you, then we are going to punish you. Then you're not going to be able to contract with us. You're mm -hmm. going to be excluded from the public square. And so, what, when when the force of government is used to to do that, that is a violation of the First Amendment. Well, now and this it, is where yeah it becomes an issue because we're talking about a public municipality, right. and um, I mean just to give another example of of this sort of thing, I, I personally really don't like the fact that some businesses are involved with boycotting the state of Israel because I, I support Israel. And I personally would not uh, patronize those businesses. Um, you know, I mean, uh, my mother, of a, a great source, right? <laughs> Unimpeachable, told me about a certain business that is, is boycotting Israel. And I'm not gonna mention the name of the business because again, it's my mother and I, don't, I can't confirm it. But, but I personally will not do business with them because of that. Right. Um, but I'm not about to go on a jihad against them. I'm not going to, you know, declare that that they should be banned from the public square. 
that they have no right and and all. It, it's more just I'm going to apply my own pressure. I may even uh, mention it to uh, friends and associates. Right. But um, that's different than what we're talking about here. We're talking about right. you know really a banning. Now your issue from a legal standpoint, being a lawyer, is that the city of San Antonio is acting inappropriately by boycotting Chick-fil-A at the airport. Yes, what is right. the grounds for that, legally speaking? I'd say that Chick-fil-A would have uh, several grounds, The first, uh, all under the First Amendment, but the first of all being a free speech claim. Uh, the, the idea is that the government cannot set what is called unconstitutional conditions on contracting or working with the government. So they can't say, if you want to contract with us, you have to think a certain way. You have to speak a certain way, or you cannot think or speak a certain way. So that's the doctrine of unconstitutional conditions is what it's called. I think this, the second ground would be a free exercise uh, challenge, saying this is uh, retaliation against us for our religious beliefs, this is religious discrimination, and you can't do this. And then the third ground might be the Establishment Clause under the First Amendment, which is to say you are favoring a not a not non-religion over religion in this case because you are targeting us because of our religious beliefs. So that's kind of related to the free exercise claims. I think all three of those would be viable claims if Chick-fil-A were to bring them. Now, to play, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, you know to, to work the other side here for a second, it occurs to me that in a way the uh, the city of San Antonio does have some latitude with regard to um, not putting up commercials or not allowing certain businesses that might violate some real, you know, fundamental elements of what's accepted societally, such as, you know, a Nazi group or, you know, a, a white supremacist group or sure. somebody that um, something that really is not not consonant with our culture. Um, so I guess that there's a certain amount of subjective opinion here. I mean, Chick-fil-A is hardly that. You know, to, mm. oppose, to oppose gay marriage, they're not telling anyone else they can't have a gay marriage. They're simply saying, we personally oppose it. They're not, it's not like they're enforcing anything. I mean, right. so I suppose my question to you, Daniel, is where do you draw the line legally and, and societally on these matters? Sure. So the, the city can take into account a couple of things. First of all, it can outlaw discrimination, which you know, there's no accusation here that Chick-fil-A is discriminated, has turned away a gay customer or fired an employee for being gay. So it can absolutely outlaw discrimination in the restaurant. Mm -hmm. It also can regulate a little more extensively the actual store of Chick-fil-A or whatever restaurant that is being run in the, the government space. So if Chick-fil-A were conveying a mess certain messages in their restaurant, for instance, there might be a little more latitude for the government to say, well, in the space that we are leasing to you, you can, you're can you somehow limited in what you can say. But what it, what it cannot do is go to the private views of a company not related to the contract with the government and say, well, because of your private speech outside of this contract, we're not going to contract with you. And that, that's true no matter what the speech is. As long as it's lawful, protected, constitutionally allowed speech, uh, wait, uh, as long as that is the case, it's not unlawful in some way, it's not inciting violence, it's not uh, actually you know, something that violates the Constitution in and of itself or is not, is not protected, they, they can't punish them for their private speech. The government right. is not allowed to, to decide what is orthodox in matters of speech, in matters of religion, mm -hmm. even things that are, are uh, considered hateful or things that we disagree with. The, there's room for that speech, and that's been the, the foundational understanding of speech for the past uh, half century at least. Right, and I think that legally, certainly, but also societally, we're better off um, 
leaning on the side of free speech, even if we dislike and despise that which is, is being said. And right. and as you pointed out, Chick-fil-A is not engaging in any illegal activity, and they're not telling a gay couple they can't come in and buy a chicken sandwich. I mean, it's, right, exactly. you know, they're, they're not asking people at the door whether they're gay. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's an open venue, open to the public, and as such, everyone is held to the same standards. They may have a dress code, which is fine, as long as they're not discriminating. Everybody has to observe it. Right. They're not saying, you can't, you have to do this and you can't do that. So, you know, in the broad sense, I think you're on solid legal ground and that, you know, they're not, um, they're not violating any community standards by selling chicken sandwiches at the airport. Now, you know, I suppose in, in, a, in an actual sense, if the, if the groups that are, are trying to get them banned, um, a response to that might be that um, groups that don't like what they're doing can publish their names and boycott them. Right. I mean, it's just like I boycott BDS people. I mean, that's right. And that's, so, that's the way the market is supposed to work is yeah. know, everyone uh, that the free market works where people speak out, people have their opinions. You can disagree with them. You can engage in private boycotts. Uh, you that that's all protected under the First Amendment as well. But what you cannot do is use the again, the government as a, a mechanism of force. To say, well, we, we disagree with you, therefore we're going to use the government. And the, the BDSM example, BDSM, uh, boycott divestment sanctions movement is actually an interesting example because uh, a district court in Texas just uh, yesterday uh, struck down the the, B, the Texas's boycott divestment uh, law as violating the First Amendment, where they said, you know, we, the state, will not contract with anyone who supports the uh, boycott divestment movement. And that was actually also struck down on the First Amendment grounds just yesterday. And so it's a, it's a very simple, similar example where San Antonio is saying, well, you know, we will not contract with you if you give donations to groups like the Salvation Army or you speak out against uh, gay marriage or in favor of traditional understanding of marriage. It's the exact same principle. The government cannot mm -hmm. uh, be an arbiter of what speech is right and, and say, well, if you we disagree with you, we are not going to allow you to contract with us. We're not going to allow you to exercise your, your rights under, in society. We're not going to treat you equally. So there's a fundamental principle there. that The government has to be a neutral party with regard to the viewpoint of other groups uh, in society. And I suppose it's a bit of a tit for tat, given that um, the, uh, the BDS movement is, is probably intersectional with the, um, the pro-gay movement. Um, you know, they kind of all come under the same umbrella. So they, they got one success and one failure. But either way, they shouldn't be involved in using our, our system, especially in public right. venues. To, What's an uh, example of to how ban this, people who disagree with them? Yep, this can be weaponized uh, in either direction. You know, the progressive yeah. groups like this right now because they can use it against groups like Chick Fil A. But if it gets turned against them, it, you know, it's used by conservative states to target the boycott divestment of Israel. Uh, it, it either direction, whether it's a conservative state using it in that way in, against a progressive cause or vice versa, it is fun foundationally flawed and, and contrary to the First Amendment. It comes from this almost zeal, almost religious-like zeal that people are so convinced that they are absolutely right on these issues. That mm -hmm. there's no room for disagreement, no room for those who don't see exactly eye to eye with them to have a space, and that that is really dangerous. And and it's also this idea, you know, that that speech is is an act of violence against others. Mm -hmm. If if a gay person sees a Chick Fil A sign, that they're going to be so mortally, deeply offended that it's going to cause harm to them. 
And I think that the, the Constitution envisions a, a people that are robust, that are able to engage in dialogue. You know, the founding fathers were not cowards, as the Supreme Court has said. Uh, they saw a, a value in a robust exchange of ideas uh, without censorship and without saying, well, we, we are going to shut off things that we find offensive or disagree with. No, I mean, I think that you're bringing up a, a broader question here, which is, and it goes to what's going on at most American uh, campuses today, most colleges, in that um, if you express a, an unpopular opinion, you are violating someone else's safe space, as if that's what colleges, right. and if they want a safe space, they should go back to their, their parents' house. You know, right. I mean, it's a, it's a very dangerous way of thinking. It's it's one that you see a lot more uh, commonly in Europe right now, where you know, if you offend someone, you, that 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 speech that is offensive can be, uh, you can be criminally penalized for that. You know, the, there's yeah. a, a case in in the United Kingdom of someone being a journalist being investigated for misgendering someone, and there's potential criminal penalties attached to that if you you know choose not to label someone with the, the pronoun that they prefer uh, for their own identity, then that is a criminal offense because mm -hmm. you're offending them and you're, you're, you're not recognizing their dignity. And th that idea that you know, offense is violence or, or things that are, that are not nice are, are violent and, and need to be punished is a really dangerous slope oh, to be it's, down. It's, 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 outright, there, it's, yeah. it's outright tyranny. All right, my guest exactly. is Daniel Ortner. He's an attorney with the Pacific Legal Foundation. Yeah, I mean, look at again. I would I would um, point out to my liberal uh, viewers and listeners, to the degree I have any, that uh, <laughs> that you know this is a uh, it's a sword that cuts both ways. I mean, you know, if we're going to take away freedom of speech and we're going to criminalize opinion that you may not like, but it's the it's the most blatant manifestation of tyranny. That, that we can imagine. It is complete micro-control over every single individual and what they say and don't say. And I suppose it's the ultimate expression of the whole left-wing enterprise anyways, because that's public ownership, control over everything that's conveyed in terms of communication. So, um, you know, you guys are on the cutting edge of, of opposing this. It, it's a national phenomenon, isn't it? What else is going on around the country? I mean, this is like something that's, um, it, it, in a way, it's it's a um, it's almost like a a a, a, um, a cultural purge, if you will, of our society, and it's a using of the legal apparatus of government to do it. Right. I think you see this on the you mentioned the university campus setting. I think what what's going on is there's just a people have really forgotten why free speech really matters. That it it matters because it allows us to dialogue and and reason and listen to one another and come to a consensus and reach compromise and when it, when there's such a, a visceral reaction anytime someone disagrees with you like anytime someone says something you disagree with you want to censor them you want to shut them shut them up there's never going to be room for dialogue or compromise or reaching any kind of common ground because it's, it's all right. a, 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 ground, a battleground. Everything's a fight. Every word, you know, is, is a cause for offense. And when you're in that situation, there's no room to actually, in good faith, to dialogue with people you disagree with. And the First yeah. Amendment is creates a, a culture and a society where we're able to disagree with one another respectfully. We're able to very passionately sometimes disagree and differ, but come to and find common ground. And uh, that is being eroded, unfortunately. Well, I mean, why bother going to college if you can't have disagreement? I mean, well, you know, why not just go to sensitivity training, which is probably what they're turning the colleges into anyways, 
you know, what, you know, indoctrination camps. You know, I mean, if you're not going to have reasonable disagreement, um, then there's no, there's nothing learned. I mean, in order to go out and actually, I mean, how can you have a law school that doesn't debate very controversial? That's what law school is. You know that you're a lawyer, right? right? Yep. I mean, isn't it like you go after at an issue with both fists? You know, you have to fight. I mean, that's a reflection of real life. I mean, if they're going to be living in some kind of a, you know, hermetically sealed room somewhere where everything is controlled, then they're not going to learn anything. You don't develop any kind of, you, you know, you don't develop a mind. You don't develop a character because, and, and you're not dealing in reality because the fact of the matter is that, you know, life is filled with, with all kinds of conflict. I mean, that's just existence. I mean, what the hell are they thinking? You know, it's really... What's really sad is that, you know, in the 1960s, the students and the faculty were really pushing for freedom of speech. You know, the administrators were resistant. They didn't want uh, want groups groups on campus speaking out. Now it's often the students and even the faculty that are call, calling for censorship. You know, the students themselves are the ones shutting down speakers. They're the ones doing the boycotts, doing the acts of vi violent instigations against speakers on campuses. And so it's really sad to see the oh, students be the, the instigators of this. They're the ones who used to be the champions of speech on campus, and now they they're, the, the mentality has shifted to where speech I disagree with is no longer something I, I, I want to hear, but but differ or disagree with. It's something that's offensive that needs to be shut down. It's, it's hateful, and, and yeah. I can't deal with it. And the that's campus and the administration is siding with these people. I don't know if you saw this um, interview with Heather McDonald, who is a um, an she's a writer, an author, a political scientist, who uh, did an article about the situation at Yale. Where and she's a graduate of Yale. Where these um, this professor and his wife, who's also a professor, they they tweeted something, or they 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 they, they sent out an article that, um, that some of the young students on the campus didn't agree with. And there was ended up there was like a riot, and they were they caught on video this girl screaming at right. this this guy, "You effing bastard! How could you do this?" And it almost sounded like. It reminded me of like the Salem witch trials when these girls are like, you know, ah, witch, witch, and they're going out of their minds. And yeah. and the result of the thing is bad enough that, you know, first of all, as a student talking to a professor like that, she should have been suspended at least, if not expelled. That's probably what, what it might have happened in the old days. But now the campus fired the professor and his wife. Right. And uh, we don't know who the, these young these uh, young students who did this. No one even knows who they are. So it, it's bad enough that you have students engaging in this kind of behavior, shutting somebody down like that, and um, you know, oh, you're violating our safe space. But the administration is is the problem. I mean, they, they've endorsed it basically. Right. The, the, I mean, the, the, the sad is they don't. You know, when when a, let's say there's a speaker and there are protesters that have to shut it down. Where where are the police? Where are the administrators to say no? You can't do that kind of protest. You can't shut down another speaker. You have the right to protest. You have the right to speak out, but you can't do it by disrupting the speech of others. You you can't. Uh, That's right. Exercise your right at the expense of other people's rights. Ultimately, yeah, and harassing the, Ben Shapiro. Really I mean, Ben Shapiro is about as controversial as his milk toast. You know, it's not like some hot, you know, radical, and to have him shut down with riots and having people, like, breaking down walls over it. I mean, anyway, Daniel, what else are you working on over there? 
We're doing, we do, we represent, we do a lot of, uh, we uh, involve, really involved with property rights is kind of our bread and butter. We do economic liberty, uh, obviously free speech. We fight the administrative state, the outgrowth of the administrative state. Good. Uh, so really generally just challenging the government, uh, helping individuals to, to sue the government and ultimately prevail in their, their battle against the government. That's what PLS is all about. Excellent. And uh, Daniel, let my listeners and viewers know how they can reach you and your organization and get more information. Sure. Pacificlegal.org is our website. Uh, we have uh, uh, articles and, and blog posts about all our recent cases, including a link to the op-ed that I published in the uh, San Antonio Express News about the Chick-fil-A controversy. Uh, we have uh, information about all of our cases, all our Supreme Court victories. We've been there up to the Supreme Court 11, one 11 times at the Supreme Court. Incredible. Uh, we have an unmatched record, really, of, of a victory at the Supreme Court. Uh, so you can come, come there and learn about us and, and join our, our movement. Excellent. Uh, Daniel Lord, I want to thank you very much for joining me. Please stay in touch and, and keep us posted from time to time. Right. Will do. Right. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Take care. You too.